this is a great business. You can make a fortune. But if you are not prepared to have ups and downs from your cash flow, no matter how much marketing you do, if you don't save that money and you don't have reserves, you're going to really get mentally stressed out. If you're a real estate investor who's sick and tired of living deal to deal, then welcome home. Hear from everyday real estate investors just like you and discover how they've completely transformed their business by taking a profit-first approach. This is the Profit First for REI podcast, where we believe revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. It's time to start making profit a habit in your business. So here's your host, David Richter. Hey everyone, this is David Richter again with the Profit First RI podcast. Have another amazing guest, Greg Helbeck. He's got a lot of things going on. He's in the real estate investing game. He's uh, He does a lot of cool things too. He's got the Pave the Way podcast. Make sure to check that out. And he's a real estate investor, voracious reader too. If you need some good books and you need, you need to go to his Facebook page, he's always posting on there the latest book he's read and an overview of it. And, you know, and he did that with Profit First for real estate investing, which I'm very grateful for. For Greg. So thank you for doing that. But just wanted to highlight that as well, too. He's someone that I go to for motivation and just uh, he's always positive and upbeat. So Greg, thanks for being on the show today. My pleasure, David. Happy to have you here and a uh, big fan of your work and, and what you're doing in the, in the real estate business uh, with Profit First. Because like I said, I think I told you this before, and I read Profit First, the original book before you came out with uh, the real estate investing one. And just implementing those habits in my real estate journey as I, you know, once I began, it changed my life financially, man. I mean, just from allocating money and all that stuff, it's, it's, it's serious stuff. And, and a lot of people, they need to hear the message because it's that important. Well, I appreciate that. So can you give me some of those lessons you learned from the original? And then I know you're one of the early readers of, yes. of Profit First for Real Estate Investing that has actually read the book now. So can you just give some of the lessons you might've gotten from the different books and how they relate? Yeah. So the biggest takeaway I have is always allocating money when you receive it and not just taking income. Because in our business, if you do marketing and you make a lot of offers, you make a lot of income. And even with rentals too, same thing, you pick up properties, you have some solid cash flow, allocating that money, right? And not just taking all the money you make and sticking it in your checking account and then letting it just dry up. It's like every, literally done hundreds of deals, every single deal gets divided up, whether it's a six figure deal, or whether it's five grand on assignment fee, right? So every single dollar gets divided up into the tax bucket, into the savings account bucket. Like that's really my profit account, yeah. right? Um, you know, the marketing bucket I have, I have the operations bucket, the give bucket, the fun bucket, the bills bucket. I have all these buckets and nice. I have all these different accounts. It was a pain in the ass to set them up and it still is a pain in the ass to set them up, but it's so great to be able to shuffle that money around. And then when tax comes or tax time comes around, having the money in your tax account, right? When you have your profit account, when you're doing a lot of deals that adds up. And next thing you know, you look, you look back and you say, wow, this is great, right? And it's it's those small differences that really matter because how you manage your money once you start making it, it will make all the difference for you, whether you can go out and, and, and achieve wealth and have freedom, or if you have to just keep doing deals because you're burning through all your cash and you're not allocating it correctly. The real estate investing book, I really liked how you actually used a lot of case studies in our niche of a niche business, right? Because Profit First is more of a general business book. And I think your ability to take that and communicate it to our niche of a niche business was phenomenal. I think the case studies in there were amazing. And it's, it's a very you're, it's a very well-communicated book. I've read, obviously, probably a thousand books at this point. 
And, you know, I can tell between people who are really good at writing and people who kind of write and they're confusing. You did a phenomenal job articulating the great concept and using it in the real estate investing space. So I'm real proud of you, brother. No, I appreciate that for sure. And that's what we want to convey. I love what you said about the allocations, just making sure getting into, like you said, it's those small habits that are going to add up over time and not having to worry about the taxes and actually having a profit, a cash profit at the end of the day, not some number that someone (laughs) tells you. So I absolutely love that. So then I guess before you had read profit first and then then comparing that to after you've read it, what is the, you know, like your mindset around money and managing it? You know, like how did that, how did it change it? Or like, where did you go from to where you are now? Yeah. So financially speaking, uh, I've made more money every year since like, so I started in 2015 when I was 20 years old, every single year, knock on wood, I've made more money the next year than the year before that. But with, what do they say? With great power comes great responsibility. Yes. So once I started, you know, like netting multiple, 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 multiple six figures a year, like number one, you got a lot of tax liability. Number two, you got to start buying assets. And number three, like if you money, you're managed, if you manage your money, like an NBA star, when you start making high income, you are going down the drain. So I have always, always, always been a big fan of like, just because you're making a lot of money, just because your net worth is jumping up, you got to treat the money respect. You have to have to, res- you have to respect money. You can't just take the money and blow it around. And listen, I, I wouldn't say I'm frugal, but, but I, I definitely don't waste money. And I spend money that I know I can afford to lose. And usually if I do something really silly, it's from the fun account that I already have from profit yeah. first. It's not like I'm going out, you know, and paying cash for something insane from just like one of my operating accounts. Right. So it's, it's being able to, to understand that making income is one thing. That's one skill set, And then managing and keeping money is a completely different skill set. And you have to have that, especially in a transactional based real estate business. Cause most gurus will not say this, this is a great business. You can make a fortune, but if you are not prepared to have ups and downs from your cash flow, no matter how much marketing you do, you're, if you don't save that money and you don't have reserves, you're going to really get mentally stressed out because you're like, cause sometimes this business, you get a couple bad bounces, you know, a couple deals have title issues, you know, your marketing is still going out. You might have a month where you don't make any money and you got to be able to weather that storm. And if you're always on the fringe, I mean, it's, it's a real tough way to live life. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's saving that money and, and being able to properly allocate it and also know what you're spending money on too. Like I look at my overhead every month and I'm like, is this critical? Is this essential? What happens if I cancel that? And if the answer is, Ooh, if you cancel that, you're going to be in trouble. It's not going to get canceled. But if the answer is nothing, well, guess what's getting unsubscribed, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. I love what you said too, about the fun, the fun account, because a lot of people, you know, even I even I think I mentioned this in the book, you know, where people think the envelopes or the bank accounts or whatever might be restrictive. And it's like, well, now you can have a, an account for fun yeah. and not feel bad about going out there and doing the fun things, knowing that yeah. you have that money there. So I think totally. that's I, that was a great point, you know, of having that account and just the I think the freedom that that gives people when they. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And like, I'll give you like an example on what I do with that. Like, so yeah. every year. I live out here in California. So there's a lot of nice places in Southern Cal. So every year I take money, usually from my fun account. And I go out to a really nice hotel for the night. And I just sit, relax and think about life, think about growth, think about where I've gone, where I'm going, what's on the horizon, you know, what lessons have I learned? And I'm able to put myself in a really nice hotel for the night 
in a crazy environment that makes me think bigger. And I don't feel bad that it was 500 bucks for the night because I already had that money saved up from the fun account, right? I'm not just using like my regular bills to pay for that. Cause that's kind of ridiculous, mm -hmm. right? No matter how much money you're making, that's expensive to stay there for the night. Yeah. But when you use your fun account, it, it's like, uh, you know, it gets you to think bigger then you're going to make more money so you can go do it again. So it's like this upward cycle. You know? Yeah, no, I, man, I love that because it is, it's all about, making sure you have the right things in place and you're actually able to take advantage of them. And like why you got into business was to do stuff like that, like to be able to, yeah. and I love what you said there about sitting and thinking, you know, like how many entrepreneurs would use their fund money just to go and sit and think, you know, and that's a great example of thinking bigger, putting yourself in that environment, making sure you could actually, you know, sit there and think and put yourself to like, I need to think bigger. I'm going to put myself there. So there's, there's a lot of a little lesson jam packed into that, into what that story you just told. So that, that was pretty awesome. So speaking of stories and lessons, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in real estate investing could be financially or could be just anything that you've gone through. Yeah, That's a good question. Um, I think in terms of lesson, I think that not like my personality, a lot of real estate investor personalities are like ready firing people. Right? Yeah. where they're, they're just like, let's go, let's figure it out. Like that's my natural tendency. So I think being able to actually, you know, uh, I've made a lot of mistakes on real estate transactions I've bought. So like, for example, I just lost some money on a commercial building that I bought and was intending to keep as a rental, but ended up having that flop on the floor. And I sold it uh, technically at a loss, even though on paper, it was a gain, but with the rehab, it was a loss. Um, so I think just not doing my homework before I buy properties, before I get involved in deals and having that come back to bite me in the butt, did the same thing on a property in California, lost some money on that one. So just, just basically not doing my due diligence and not thinking through why this transaction makes sense hmm. and just doing like a deal because I want to do a deal or because I can do a deal. So let me give you an example. Example number one is the, the California property. I did that deal because the seller would do seller financing. That's the only reason I did the deal. It didn't make any sense for the most part. Mm. I had no idea what I was doing. But because the guy did seller financing with no uh, with no interest, I'm like, I'll do the deal. Why not? Right? Stupid. That's an emotional decision. And I lost money. Same thing with the property in, uh, in, in New York, the commercial building. I wanted to do a commercial deal, right? That was my definition of success. And I had a commercial deal fall on my lap made no sense. All these red flags, big building, vacant building. I thought I was, you know, uh, some tycoon, no idea what I was getting into and ended up getting kicked around. So just being, uh, not be, not being as diligent as I needed to be has cost me some, 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 uh, cashish in my career so far. I'm getting better now, I'm getting much better. <laughs> well, and you keep bringing up the word think you know, like, Hey, you know, I go there to sit and think, or I, if I would have thought through this before yeah. the beginning. So would you say, what has been, what do you, what's your highest return on investment right now? When you, when in your business, like, is it the acquisitions or is it, you know, like being the CEO or like, is it putting the team together? Like in your opinion, what would you say is your highest and best use in your real estate investing business right now? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely leading my team because they do most of the negotiating and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's being able to really help my team move the ball forward on our transactions that we're doing, right? Yeah. Whether they're rental properties or whether they're flips or wholesales, whatever. It's being able to really sit down, like for example, with my, my acquisitions guy, Brett, who's an awesome team member, and being able to help him move the ball down the goal line 
and giving him specific steps on what he needs to do that are in his control to move the sale forward. Right. And then sometimes I'll jump in and help him. Right. I'm not one of these guys who's going to be like, Oh, go figure it out. Like, no, it's like, it's our business. We're a team. I'm helping you together and we're rowing the boat in the same direction. So it's being able to help him move the ball um, down the goal line on the deals we're working on. And also being able to help him disqualify opportunities that are going to be a waste of his time. It's like, Hey man, they're not motivated. There's no way they're selling at a discount. Let's move on from this one and go find a real motivated seller. So being able to be a leader from that perspective has been a high return on my time and return on my money. Uh, as I started hiring a team. Right. It's the, both those things. We want to make sure it's the return on investment, but also your return on your time. And that's why yeah. I think even when you said setting up those bank accounts, like it's a pain in the butt, you know, like to do that. But then also it's pain in the butt training people too, you know, like same concept, like there's no guarantee that it'll work out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. On the one hand with the money, as long as you've got money coming in, at least you've got a system on the other side, yeah. it's like, you've got the training and whatnot. And hopefully you'll see them be able to take stuff off your plate and get that return on your time back. So I think there's a lot of similarities there being that leader and with the profit first, and then also with, you know, building that team and getting that return on time back. Cause I think that's what we all, we all really want that is that return on time. Yeah. Like, what if I didn't have to work 40 hours in my business or 80 or, or 10, you know, and had a team like that. So totally. that's a, it's yeah, a different well, skill set. It's a, it and that's the thing I've noticed in this business with new investors, why they struggle is like, they're, they're used to fighting on their own. And I've been there, done that. Everyone's been there, done that. But it's like, at the end of the day, like, what's the alternative? Like if, if, if you're going to be a one man show forever, that can work. You can make great money, but like, you're never going to get to a level where like, you're making net seven figures, got eight figure net. Like, and I'm not saying money's the most important thing because there's other things in life that are important, but like still, like if you want to grow your financial scenario, if you have one, if you don't have any employees, there's a low chance you're going to be netting seven, eight figures a year. Like that's just not going to happen most likely because it's just the, the mechanics don't make any sense. The system doesn't I'll really allow that unless you're flipping, you know, skyscrapers or something. Right. Uh, right. But, but not a lot of people are doing that. So like I had this objection for a while, like, oh, I don't want to hire someone. It's a lot of time. What if they don't work out? But it's like, what if they do work out, right? And how do I, how do I become a leader to where I can train somebody to where I maximize my upside and minimize minimize my downside? So making recordings of videos and sending those recordings that are basically training them without me having to physically, you know, get on a Zoom call and train somebody, you know, and 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 just letting them kind of fail on their own and and, and kind of helping them, you know. So there's ways you can kind of minimize your time in the beginning. Um, so you don't like spend 70 hours training somebody and then having them just flake out on you, but yeah. Uh, you know, it's an art and science, you know, it really is. And I, like you said, it's a different set of skills. It's going from real estate investor to business owner. It's like business the e-myth, owner. you know, like everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. It's like manager. Exactly. Yeah, but here's another myth. I will say that, that people talk about that. And the Keith Cunningham talks about this in his book, the road less stupid. And oh, I yeah. it like really resonated with me. It's like people have this dream of like never having to like step in their business again. And, and like, that's usually a hunk of horse crap yeah. because they, number one, even if they wanted to do that, they would go mentally insane. Like I would go mentally insane if I wasn't working. Like I, I would be like, listen, if I could sit on the beach all day, I would do that for two weeks. That's great. Right. But I'm going to want to get back and do something that's going to stimulate my, uh, my senses. And it's going to want to make get challenge me. Right. So yeah. a lot of people can get their businesses to where they don't need them. Like on the day to day, but usually they're going to start coaching at that point. They're going to start something else. They're going to start lending money. Like there's, yeah. there's a, they're going to do apartment syndications or something like that. They're not just going to do nothing, you know? Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. Cause it is, it's, that's where, you know, you have that skill now, if you have that team, 
So that way you can, you can go start something else. Yeah, exactly. Coaching or whatnot. And it's like, okay, do I want to build a team around this or do I just like doing this? You know, exactly. and, but it is, it's that progression. If you want to do that too quickly and you don't have the team and the skills and the right people in place, then it's like, then you keep getting sucked back in. Yeah, you keep getting sucked back in. So no, that's great. This has been, this is, this is awesome stuff here. So with your, with your current business and with you are where you are now, what would you say with your employees and whatnot, like that you, some challenges that you've gone through recently, as far as like growth or is it growth money? Is it, you know, the systems, the processes, like what would you say are some of the things that you've been working on? It's a great question. I think in terms of the growth, it is um, me kind of knowing when to let them figure it out and when to jump in. Okay. I think sometimes I, I get a tendency to where I want to jump right in and start mm. putting on the gloves and fighting. Um, but I, I know my team is capable of, of, of kind of fighting on my behalf and then coming to me for advice. So that's something as we've started to amp up our marketing, we're getting more deals than we ever have, you know, and we're, we're really making a lot of progress. I am definitely, I, I come up, I come into the scenario a lot where I want to just jump in and help. And like, it could be the right thing to do now, but like, if I train them, then that's what I'm going to do. Then they're always going to be relying on me jumping in when there's a problem. So yeah. learning how to kind of um, properly, responsibly uh, not get as involved as, as normal. Um, because I still do a lot of the stuff in my, like, I don't do a lot of the selling and, you know, the admin stuff, yeah. but I'm still, you know, raising money. I'm still, you know, putting a lot of the deals together, like when they get crazy, I'm selling the deals, right? Like I'm selling them on the wholesale side, which doesn't take a lot of time. Uh, I've been saying in this market, a good wholesale deal will sell itself. I mean, you don't right. really try that hard to sell a wholesale deal in 2022 right. with yeah. the way things are. But yeah, that's that's been a challenge for sure. And I'm always looking for a way um, where when there's a problem, I always look at it like, okay, this might be a problem today, but once this problem gets solved, I'm going to have a gem to put into my my puzzle so now that problem can always get solved in perpetuity. And then I'll find another problem that I'll solve. And then the more problems I solve in my business, you know, the more we'll all grow together. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think, I think a lot of business owners struggle with that. And once yeah, they're growing a team, cause like there's a couple different reasons. Did you ever have a W2 job or did you, were you an entrepreneur all the way? Basically. I mean, I've had, I was like a lifeguard when I was in high school sure. and yeah. like I put like floors in grocery stores when I was like 19. I had never had like a corporate job out of uh, college. Right? I did this since I was a young kid. Yeah. So we're, we all know this, reading all the books we do and getting into real estate and whatnot, that we're conditioned from school to high school to college to, you know, like to those W-2 jobs. Then you start as the business owner, you know, that entrepreneur that's first starting out, like it is you, it's all on your yep. back. You've got a specific duty. You're the one that has to jump in. Then you have to like unlearn all of that. You have to unlearn that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's you hard. Like, we have to go through that process. So what you're talking about is great. I've, I've seen it in myself. Like this is something you can take care of. I'm hiring you now to think and not to just do a job. So I'm hiring you for your brain, not just for your hands anymore. Once I heard that on a podcast for me, I was like, boom, like that's exactly who I need to be going with the leadership team should be hiring thinkers, not the doers. So that's always definitely revolutionary for me. Cause I do, I have the tendency to jump in. I can jump do that. It's help. easy. Yeah, it's easy. I could get not it done. And I love what you totally. said there. It's like a piece of the puzzle. Well, now it's in there. Like if, if they know that they're empowered to do this and I, they won't bring me as many of those questions or they'll bring me solutions instead of questions now, which is definitely a fun to see when they start doing that. And they're like, no, here's what we're doing and here's how we're doing. It. And it's like, 
this is amazing. So I'm not totally, that. man. Totally. And another thing I've noticed too, like with hiring people and you got to just figure out what they really want to achieve. Like where are mm-hmm. they at? How can your business actually serve them? Like I was reluctant to hire people for a while. Cause I didn't know if I had the system to fulfill like their dreams and desires. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I, you got to get to know them. Like you got to get close with them. So it's like, you know, like, what do you want to achieve? What are you looking to do? How can, how can I split? like, how do I work for them and have them not work for me? I never like, I've always called them right. team members. I don't say employees. I don't say it's our business. Like I'm big on language and like how I communicate with people, especially yeah. people close to me. And uh, that's a big deal too, because uh, I want to make sure that I have an opportunity for them to, to achieve what they want. And I don't want them to feel like they're just capped out with me. And I mean, they're in like some dead end scenario. It's mm-hmm. like, I want to be able to wear when, when the company does really well, we all do well, right? Like I, I get more pumped giving them, you know, money on deals than I do myself sometimes because right. like, listen, I've been there, done that. I can wheel and deal. You know, I've learned that skill set. but empowering others. And, and, and like when you, when other people, I've noticed this, when you can get other people to make a lot of money within your organization, that's when you know you're growing as a business owner, because if someone's making six figures working with you, I mean, then you, you, you know what I mean? So it's yes. like, that's where, I, that's the, the level I'm trying to get to where I can have my team members making like serious, 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 serious money and help Man, them get that is too. so good. There's been so many good nuggets on this one. It's just, it's about, yes, managing your cash, managing the people, leveling yourself up on learning a lot of the things you've learned, really becoming that leader, being excited about your team members, really good stuff. So I just have a couple final questions. Sure. What last minute advice here would you give to the real estate investors listening to here now that they've heard your lessons and all those things, what other advice? that you want to impart? I would say that depending on like where they are in their journey, if they're new, you know, if you're, so I'll give you, if you're new and then if you're not new. So if you're brand new, I would say number one thing, if you want consistent income is you need to master the skills that actually matter in this business, the fundamentals, like the most basic, you know, uh, skills, which is lead gen and communication, right? You need to master lead gen and communication. I'm not saying sales because sales, it's just, that's, that's kind of BS. It's, it's communication, right? Yeah. Can you communicate well. If you master lead gen and you master communication, you will earn income so you don't have to have your job. Like period, that's what I would do. So figure out what lead gen you think is, you know, the going to be the the easiest for you to achieve and execute and then just learn the basics of communication, how to, you know, how to have a conversation with someone, how to qualify somebody, how to negotiate, you know, there's a lot of books on that, right? I do podcasts on that. And then if you're if you're not new and you're like doing deals, you got to figure out number 1 what do you want to hit? Like, what do you want to achieve? Like, what is the target? Like, is it a net worth thing? Is it an income thing? Is it a deal volume thing? I don't like the deal volume thing. And I think the income thing is way better just Mm -hmm. from experience. Um, what do you, what is the target? And then who do you need to bring on and who do you need to become as a person to get to that target? Right? So if like, let's say the target's like a million net worth or something like that. Okay. Who do you need to become as a person from financial spending standpoint to be worth a million bucks? And then who do you need to bring on your team so you can earn the type of money so you can save the type of money to hit that net worth goal, right? And like that's kind of the advice I'd give someone who's like not beginning, who just they they want to grow and, and get to the next level. Oh, and then cool. also you got to be consistent. One more thing. This is like I forgot. To, this is the most being consistent. Like one of my favorite books of all time, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. He literally lives down the street here in California. I drive by his house once in a while. Don't tell anyone I know where he lives. <laughs> it's between you and me. And anyone listening here, um, you got to be consistent. And like the consistency and the momentum are really what's going to like move the ball down the goal line because you can do cold calling one day, right? But you're not going to be making the type of money you want to make unless you're cold calling every day and it becomes part of your daily habits. 
30 calls a day. That's 60 calls in two days. That's 90 calls in three days. You see where I'm going and then you do that for 90 days. I mean, it would be impossible to not do a deal if you, right. you know what I mean? If you did, consistently did the right things every day. Yeah, no, that's great. This is great stuff. So you've provided a ton of value here. How This is the last question. How can the listeners provide value back? I know you've got Pave the Way podcast. I don't know if you're looking for anything in your business right now, people, processes, systems, whatever, or you just want to connect with people. What, how can, you know, what can they provide value back? Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's always always cool being a guest on on podcasts. I always tell the hosts, I'm like, I like being a guest more than being the host because I can just sit back and talk. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't have to be nervous about what to ask or whatever. Uh, but yeah, if they want to connect with me, they can follow me on Instagram, G-R-E-G-O underscore 37. That's a pretty, I'm pretty active there. Sometimes I will delete that app and I'll be off the grid for a while. But for the most part, I'm relatively engaging there. Uh, the podcast is called Pave the Way Podcast. I have great guests like David on bring one episode a week out. And then if you want to do business with me, if you want to, you know, maybe sell me a property, like I'm a cash buyer, I'm not a, you know, fake cash buyer. So if you're in San Diego or you're in the Hudson Valley region of New York uh, or in in the Eastern Pennsylvania market, uh, if you want to sell me a house, Greg at velocityhousebuyers.com, I'll buy it if it's a good deal or if you want a JV on it, you know, I have great lists there. So I'd love to, you know, work with some of your listeners. They want to do some real estate transactions together. So uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me. There you go. There's how you can get in touch with Greg. Great stuff here today, man. Thank you so much for being on and appreciate you getting the message out there to a profit first. My pleasure, David. Thanks for having me on. This episode of the Profit First for REI podcast is over, but there are plenty more where that came from. Are you ready to learn how David and his team can help implement the Profit First system in your business? Schedule a discovery call at simplecfo.com right now. We'll see you next time on the Profit First for REI podcast with David Richter.